Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is John Ferrara from Nimble. And if you want to learn how to help other people grow, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what's up? Welcome back to another episode here on the show. Today, I am really, really excited to be sharing a story from a guy named John Ferreira. John is a successful entrepreneur and firm believer that we're all on this planet to grow and that the more we can help other people grow, the more we grow. Building products that help people achieve their passion, plan, and purpose is the primary reason John pioneered contact relationship management with the launch of Goldmine back in the 90s. And it's why he launched Nimble, the first social CRM two decades later. John is also a noted speaker on the topics of social media's effects on sales and marketing. He's been recognized on Forbes as one of the top 10 social CEOs, top 10 social salespeople in the world, and among the top 50 social business Twitter accounts that you must follow. John is the genius behind CRMs. Like He really did invent the CRM back in the 90s, back before everything integrated. And it was all just one big happy family. John was the one that created everything from the start with his company Goldmine that he sold for over $100 million. And then he took 10 years off to raise his family and spend time with them, basically, and then got back into the game with Nimble, which is the first social CRM. So we talk a lot about that journey, what it was like to kind of really innovate an entire industry. And uh, obviously, building relationships is is what I believe is the is the crucial part to having success. And then John is somebody who has pioneered an industry that makes that process easier and more duplicatable for everybody. And it was a pleasure to chat with him. So I cannot wait to share everything that we talk about with you guys. But first, really quickly, before we get into that, we've all heard the Jim Rohn quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Imagine being able to build out those top five people personally select the caliber of the people on that list. Literally nothing would be out of reach if you could always fill that inner circle with the people that are crushing the thing that you are trying to crush. This was a mere dream to me a couple years ago, and now I can say I'm blessed to be able to carefully curate my circle with the people that I want to be around the most, and now you can do the same thing. I put together a totally brand new and absolutely free live training on the three best kept secrets to building the network of your dreams. In this masterclass, I'm going to show you how I was able to build my dream network starting from nothing and how you can do exactly the same. So 
If relationships with people aren't your cup of tea, then ignore what I'm about to say. But if they are, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com masterclass to get registered for the next one because you are going to love how it feels to be able to connect with anyone that you truly want to connect with. Again, that's travischapel.com masterclass. And now here's my chat with John Ferreira. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Travis, it is super exciting to be here with you and your community. As you know, in our brief preamble, we talked about the value of relationships and the importance of paying them forward. And any opportunity I can to get up on my soapbox and teach and preach the value of your network, being your net worth is a great day for me because I think we're on this planet to grow by helping other people grow. Yeah. And I love that mentality. And for people who listen to the show, you guys know that I don't bring a lot of uh, people in your space onto the show, John, like meeting like software, different things like that. I typically focus more on different industries, different fields. But when I saw your resume, saw that you basically invented the CRM and that you've been doing this for a really long time, helping people build relationships better, it just seemed like, uh, man, I, there's no way I can't have you on the show. It would be a, a mistake on my part to not put you in front of my audience. So I'm excited to get into the conversation. Before we do, I want to chat a little bit about what brought you to this point now as the CEO of this company, Nimble, that you currently have. So let's go ahead and kind of chat a little bit about where this all started for you. So born in the 60s and then coming up, talk to me about like what life was like for you during that time. Meaning like, did your parents want you to go to college? What, you know, middle class, how'd you grow up? All that kind of stuff. Let's build some context here. You bet. So I'm born and raised in LA, grew up on the West side, a place called Hancock Park. My dad was in the car business. He was the number one Lincoln Mercury guy in the 50s. And then in the 70s, he had the first Subaru dealership in Southern California. And so I grew up spending the summers on my dad's car lot. And, you know, Travis, the funny thing is, is I made a uh, promise to myself I'd never be in sales because I didn't want to be like my dad. I think kids need to separate from their parents. And there's a natural thing that happens in your teenage years where you just sort of build some distance. And in many cases, you want to be different than them. And so I grew up watching the space program and I was in, I wanted to be an astronaut. I, I loved computers. I loved airplanes. So I was inspired by that. Plus my uncle helped invent and build the first radar and microwave systems in the rad labs at MIT and was president of IEEE and, uh, and was built a lot of their aerospace guidance systems for NASA. So on one hand, I was inspired by NASA and computers. I was inspired by my, my godfather and, and consulare, John Guerrera. And so I bought a computer the day I graduated high school, 1978. And by the time I got into college, I had seven computers in my, in my bedroom and I was working at a computer store, working my way through my computer science degree. And that's really the foundation of what set me up to do what I did. And what happened was after my first couple jobs, I got put in a sales role. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own 
preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Just can't escape it. I, well, you know, the funny thing is, is I got a job as a systems engineer for a startup in Boston, a technology company, and I just got sick and tired of the salesperson showing me $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 commission checks. Because I was doing, as in a pre and post sales mode, all the work to get the sale closed and help keep it closed. So when they offered me the job in sales, I said, heck yeah. So this is like 1988, and there is no CRM. There is no Outlook. There are really barely any kind of software sales tools. And they basically gave me leads and said, go get them. Well, what do you do with a lead when you don't have a CRM or contact tool to put it into? What I do is I cold call the lead, put notes on the paper. I put the appointment in my daytime, which is a leather-based paper calendar contact tool that you keep in your, in your jacket. And I, when I got back from the customer calls at the end of the month, I, I put my forecast in a spreadsheet and I sent that to corporate so they could use that to forecast hardware build. And I said to myself, there's got to be a better way. And I looked around and I didn't find any tools that integrated email, contact and calendar and sales and market automation. So I quit my job at 29 years old and started a company called Goldmine that essentially was Outlook and Salesforce before either existed and pioneered contact management and CRM. Wow. So what was the driving factor? I know, because look, I, I know that there was obviously necessity there. You you were doing something you didn't like, you thought there has to be a better way, and then you went out and did it. But a lot of people have that idea, right? A lot of people have that thought, there's got to be a better way. And maybe they even like dream it up. Maybe they even draw it out on a, on a bar napkin at some point. But then like the next day they wake up and they just go back to work and just keep doing everything over again. Why were you different? Well, that's a great question, Travis. And I actually have some good answers for that. Number one is I had two entrepreneurial mentors, my father and my uncle John. Number two is I didn't want to ever say in my life, shoulda, coulda, woulda. So my first job out of college, I worked at Hughes Space and Communications and then at Missile Systems. And at Missile Systems, there was 15,000 people on the plant site and I was in corporate IT. So I got to meet all the people on the plant site because I had to go to different buildings and do different things. And there was this one guy that's actually friends of my uncle and he's in aerospace. He's an electrical engineer. And he was always saying, oh, I should have done this. I could have done that. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, my friend left here in the 50s and started TRW. And my other friend left here and started Litton. And another friend left here and started Rocketdyne. And I should have, could have, would have done that. And so that stuck with me. And, and so when I came up with this idea for Goldmine, I said to myself, Travis, I can always go get a job. But I, I can't because, you know, look, I'm a skilled guy and I can always go get a job with another company, but I can't always take that chance. And I think that when you have, I think that if you put your prayers to the universe, you need to be present and aware enough to hear when the door knocks and be brave enough to open the door and walk through it. And I did that. And it turned out to be a goldmine for me. But I'll tell you what, nobody hands you success, right? You need to go out there and earn it every day. And I read books like Think and Grow Rich and by Napoleon Hill. And I read the Tom Hopkins book on selling. And I, you know, I read Zig Ziglar, uh, Dale Carnegie and all that stuff. And all that was inspirational to me. But you know, the best thing achieving our goals back in the day was we simply had goals and we put those goals on our refrigerator, on our mirror in our bathroom. And we focus on this. And every day we got, what are we doing to get there? And if you figure out what your passion is, build a plan to achieve it, make it your purpose on a daily basis and keep putting one foot in front of the other, you may not make it to the top of Everest, but you're going to get someplace between here and there. And that journey will be amazing and life will unfold. You just have to, you have to trust your higher power, I think. Yeah, totally. And the one thing that you said in there was actually a huge piece of advice that one of my first mentors ever gave me, which was you can always go the safe route. Like the safe route exists 
basically any time. Cause I was, I was at this crossroads. I was a, I know I was 22, you know, 20, 21, 22 at the time. I forget. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, I was married and I had a mortgage. So I wasn't like a typical, you know, 22 year old. I, I had responsibilities and things to do and bills to pay and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, man, I'm thinking about this one business idea, but I'm also thinking like, I know that I could go crush it in the sales role. And that was one thing that he told me that stuck with me ever since was just like, Travis, you're too young to be thinking about that. You can always get that job. That job's always going to be there. Right now is the time when you need to make sure that you take action on the things that you really want to see happen in your life. So I'm curious to hear what you would say on this, John. Do you think that that piece of advice changes based on your age or your responsibilities or your location in life? Well, I think that when you do have responsibilities, when you you do have a, a significant other, a wife or a husband, you do have mortgages and bills. It's harder to jump off a cliff and build the airplane on the way down. And so I think that you need to take into account the effect that your choices will have on others that you're responsible for. It's, it's the only proper thing in life. And there's a guy named, or in fact, you should actually interview this guy, Mitch Jackson. He's a, an attorney who also teaches and preaches social selling. But his father-in-law was Mike the Milkman. And he said there's five things in life that you need to do. Number one is you got to take care of your health. Because without your health, you have nothing. And then number two is you got to take care of your job. Because if you're not providing a steady source of income, it's problematic. Take care of your family because they're the most important thing to you. And then take care of your job. And there's, I don't have all of them, but he'll give them to you. It, it, it's, it's really great stuff. But in answer to your question in regards to does it change? You know, honestly, Travis, I think it does. I, I think that you have to take into account the choices that you make and the effects it have on others. At that time, I was single, 29 had no mortgage and I did it, but all we had was $5,000 in the bank. So it was a struggle to bootstrap and I didn't know any better. This was 1989. I mean, it wasn't like VCs or, you know, and SaaS websites and podcasts were teaching you how to do all this stuff. So I just kept slugging it out. And, and the first few years was a, was a hurdle. But eventually we grew that company to about $100 million a year in revenue before we sold it. Yeah. And how, how did you go about getting started? The one thing that I think holds back a lot of people is just that. They just don't know where to start. Like, man, that sounds amazing. And I would love to do something like that. But where, how, what, what do I do next? Well, I think, I think the first thing with an idea is like how to create it, right? How to build it. A lot of people come to me, oh God, I got this idea for a mobile app. How do I, how do I build it? You know any engineers? So I studied computer science, but I also had a friend of mine who he and I kind of took all our math classes together through college. He was an electrical engineer. I was computer science, but he was one of the smartest guys I knew. And I basically got together with him and I'd been nurturing him over time and teaching him programming. And by the time we got together, he'd already written a few programs. So I had my product engineer guy so that he built it. But even after you build a product, how do you take it out of an apartment in Canoga Park and bring it to the world? And so one way you could do it is advertising, but I didn't have any money to advertise. I didn't know how to advertise. The other way is you can get other people to sell it for you. And so where I worked at before, this company called Banny and I was selling network operating systems to enterprises direct, but I got my butt kicked by this company called Novell that was selling workgroup solutions through resellers. And so I already knew about Novell resellers. They'd already sold networks to all the PC owners to tie together PCs and hard drives. And I actually had one of the first network world business applications that ran on networks. And so I figured out that Novell resellers were the trusted advisor of my prospect. And if I could get them to use it, people sell what they know and they know what they use and they'd start to recommend it. So I cold called all the top resellers of Novell in the country and I got them to use it. And then they started to recommend and resell and that got us to our first $100,000 a year in revenue. And then they started asking for leads after they sold it to their basic customers. And so I had to figure out how I can get leads. And again, I don't know how to advertise. So I started calling up technology and business writers and saying, how can I help you write more stories? They said, tell stories about how companies are using technology to grow. And so I started telling them stories about how customers are using contact management and CRM to grow. And they started writing about it. And ultimately, we helped create the category because we created the category and we we're the pioneer in it. We got more print and more awards than all the other companies combined. That built our global brand and, and got us to, say, 
you know, $500,000 a month or a million dollars a month in revenue. But then Microsoft came out and ate Novell. They basically came out with NT server and they used their muscle, billions of users and hundreds of thousands of ours to essentially replace Novell as the market leader. At the same time, our customers were asking us for more scalable gold mine. Our backend was DBase, which was not a scalable SQL Server. And Microsoft wanted to sell SQL Server and Exchange Server. So we built Goldmine Enterprise, which required NT Server, SQL Server, and Exchange Server to run, solve when our customers need to scale, solve when our partners need to make more money on products and services for every Goldmine sale, and solving Microsoft's need to sell NT Server, SQL Server, and Exchange Server because a customer's not going to buy SQL Server unless they have an application that calls for it. And then Microsoft started pushing us globally. And that's how we got to $100 million a year in revenue. And by that time, after running it for 10 years, I said, how much do you need in life, Travis? And I just decided at 39 that I'd sell it. I sold it for cash and I retired and spent the next 10 years raising three kids. So there's a lot in that story to unpack there, but I think the biggest recurring theme is resourcefulness combined with persistence or consistency, for lack of a better word. It just seems like that's the biggest thing because there's no one answer, right? Like I asked the question like, hey, how did you do it? And there was never like, well, I I went to college for this thing and I got qualified and certified that somebody told me that I'm allowed to do it now. It wasn't any of those things. It was just like, hey, I want to do it. And then thinking about how to solve the problems that existed in front of you. Like, how do I get customers. Okay, let's start there. Then you went and got enough customers to have a viable business and you're bringing $100,000 a year. And then you start going to the next level, then you need you start realizing that these other things need to be done. And then to get on the highest level, you start solving bigger and bigger problems. And it just seems like this recurring theme of resourcefulness combined with like the ability to stick in it and to be super, super persistent. Am I missing anything there? There are. There's some nuances there that you're missing. Number one is for me to be able to synthesize goldmine into a solution. I learned things in my jobs that I worked my way through college in because I worked at a computer store. I knew every software program on the market. There were only 300 business programs at the time. And I knew what I wanted didn't exist. And so I knew how to build, I knew I could build it. Number two is I learned how customers buy software and stuff by working in the computer store. And I learned how companies sell technology by working at a software manufacturer and competing against the Novell resellers. All that gave me the lay of the land to be able to then do what I did. But the big thing that recurs in everything I said is telling stories and getting other people to tell those stories. So by telling stories about how the Novell resellers can grow and how they can transform their customers, by telling the press stories about how customers are using technology to grow, turn the Novell resellers into storytellers for my first base of customers and turn the technology and business publication writers into storytellers about how we can build or add customers at scale. And then finally, by becoming strategic to Microsoft, we basically turned them into a global storyteller where they dragged us into the distributors, resellers, and end users. So I think that storytelling and getting other people to tell those stories and building trusted relationships with the trusted advisor of your prospect is a recurring theme that I've used at Goldmine and now at Nimble. I love that. Building relationships with the trusted advisor of your prospect. That is probably one of the most profound yet simple things that has been said on the show. Because a lot of this stuff, when you just look at it and take a step back, it just makes sense. But nobody thinks of it. You know, like they they build a product and then try to shove it down a customer's throat instead of saying, hey, what do they actually need? And then building a product that actually makes that make sense. And then sharing credibility from people that they are already trusting as advisors, like that is exactly why this show exists is to show people what's possible. So besides storytelling, John, what do you think are another, let's say two to three important skill sets that every entrepreneur needs to develop at least to a level of competency? Well, I think that companies don't scale themselves. It's done by people. And you need to build a great culture in your company. You want to build a place where people, they love to come to because they're being transformed themselves. And so um, that's a big part of it. But on the product side, you're talking about product. And I, I want to tell you a story about product. I believe that people don't buy great products. They buy better versions of themselves. 
and that people should stop talking about themselves and their product and they should start talking about how they can help other people become better, smarter, faster in and around the areas of promise of their products and services. I believe that if you teach people to fish, they'll figure out yourself fishing poles and that you should align the promises that you make to experience that you deliver. And if you do all those things, you can build a gold mine. Problem is, is that most people are just blasting out how great they are, how great their products are, and they're not really focused on their intention to serve others. And I believe in a philosophy of service. I think that we're on this planet to grow our souls by helping other people grow theirs. And if salespeople entered into every relationship, well, forget salespeople. If every human being entered into every engagement with the intent to serve that other person, to help them grow, even if it meant simply giving them their presence and leaving them with a smile, that the world would be a better place. And I think that today sales is a four-letter word, and I think service is the new sales. Yeah, I love that so much. And what what about like, what what are your thoughts on competition versus collaboration? Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that some people would say that Microsoft Dynamics is competition to Nimble. But the reality is that Microsoft has signed a global reseller agreement with Nimble, where they're globally reselling Nimble with Office 365. They are my distributor. If I want to sign up a new reseller, I don't have to even sign a contract. I just need to tell them the value that Nimble provides their customers and they can buy it through Microsoft when they buy Office. And for Microsoft to do that, they'd have to recognize that we're not a competitor and that Nimble actually is a gateway drug to Dynamics. If you think about it, every single Microsoft reseller is given a license of Dynamics Serum and none of them use it. Why? Because big serums like Salesforce and Dynamics need to be implemented. And most people don't have the ability or bandwidth to implement a CRM. They want a CRM that automatically implements itself. And that's what Nimble does by unifying your email, contact, and calendar and over 200 SaaS business apps into a cohesive team relationship manager. So we fill a hole for Microsoft as the simple CRM for Office. And then we introduce people to the concepts and products of Microsoft's crown jewels, which is Power BI Flow, Power Apps, Azure, and Dynamics. So I totally believe in collaborating, even if it is with your competition. In fact, I think that if any salesperson's listening to this today and they ever have an opportunity where they're talking to a customer and they're not a good fit, they should recommend their competition that is a good fit. Because if you take care of that customer, even if it means recommending a competitor, you don't think that person's going to pick up the phone or tell their friends about you in the future when their needs might fit yours? Right. Yeah, totally. That's why I asked that question. I just see like, I see a big shift happening. And a lot of people who are in the older mindset of only competing and never, I just think it's so damaging and comes from this place of scarcity where they have this belief that there's not enough business to go around. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is that there is so much business out there that any competent person that builds a minimally viable product and listens and iterates with their customers that it resonates and then builds with them can grow into a billion dollar company. There's a company called Cornerstone On Demand. They used to be a uh, content sharing platform for e-learning, kind of like Linda or whatever. And they had funding and they built the platform, but they weren't getting people to put content up there and they weren't getting traction. But they were getting adoption by corporations that were moving their on-prem learning systems to the cloud. And so what they did is they iterated with that customer base and now they've become the leading corporate human resource learning system management system in the world. And that's just an example of listening to and iterating with your customers. This episode of the show is brought to you by Rothy's. And this one is for all of the ladies out there. Rothy's is a company that makes stylish shoes for women out of recycled plastic water bottles. And from what my wife says, they're actually really comfortable and they're machine washable because they're recycled plastic. So look, typically I wouldn't bring a product like this on the show that I don't personally use, but since my wife does, and since they've diverted over 25 million plastic bottles from landfills, I felt like it was something that I just kind of had to tell you all about. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks, and they sell out constantly. Plus, they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts, or so I'm told anyway. <laughs> You'll discover quickly why BuzzFeed called them their forever shoes. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges, so there is literally no risk, no worries, no reason not to try. Check out all of the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash Travis. That's rothys.com 
slash Travis. And I know this is mainly for all the ladies out there, but if you're a guy and you're listening to this show and you have a lady in your life, promise you this is going to make a fantastic gift. So head over to rothys.com slash Travis. What's up, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite podcasting app, Himalaya. If you're not listening to podcasts on this new app, you're definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your app store or Google Play store and download Himalaya today and thank me later. John, there's so many things that we could talk about in just in that one specific field, but I'm curious going into more of your story. So you built up this $100 million in revenue company, you sell, you take a few years off, and then what drives you to go start a new thing? Like what brought you out of quote unquote retirement? So I started using Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn in 2006, 7, 8, and 9. I saw I was going to change the way that we work, play, buy, and sell. And I started looking for a relationship manager that enabled me to incorporate my social contacts and conversations because if you think about it, I'd been out of technology for 10 years and really focused on just raising my kids and adding back to my community. But as I started to use Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, I started reconnecting to a lot of my personal and professional network. And I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to manage that and nurture it. And I couldn't find a tool that integrated social contacts and conversations into a cohesive platform. There was Hootsuite and TweetDeck, which that unified social conversations, but didn't tie the conversations to people. And then I started looking at the way people manage contacts and saw that Gmail and G Suite is really a broken contact manager because in, in Gmail, your email, contact, and calendar are three separate tabs and email and calendar are linked to contacts and the contacts aren't linked to context about that person nor social interactions. And then I started looking at CRM, so it wasn't about relationships, it was about reporting. Serum is supposed to stand for Customer Relationship Manager. It actually stands for Customer Reporting Management because it's designed for managers and reporting, not for relationships and engagement. As a salesperson, you do all the work. You Google somebody before a meeting, and then you have to go back to the Serum to log what you know about the person in the company. Then you engage in email, now more and more social, and you got to go back to the Serum to log that. And the biggest cause of failure Serum is lack of abuse. The second is bad data because even if you get people to type stuff in, it just decays because people and company changes over time. And so I saw the need to build the first serum that works for you by building itself, by automatically unifying your email contact and calendar from G Suite and Gmail with your contacts and conversations from Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And I basically pioneered and invented social selling and social serum with Nimble when I started. So another company slash product service, whatever, that's built like purely out of necessity. Purely out of you looking and saying, man, I, I need something. And then, you know what? I'm just going to go build it. Well, I think that the best products come from your own need because you're passionate about it and you understand the problem. So yes, it, it came from my own needs. And what's interesting is I think building software is a lot like writing songs, right? So imagine Mick Jagger writing Angie. He didn't think the whole song up immediately. He might have thought of a few chords. And then, or maybe maybe the a lyric, and then all of a sudden he, he starts building it, maybe collaborating with the band, and maybe they play it at a club or at a friend's house. And eventually, after playing that in front of people long enough, it evolves into the, what it is, right? And so with Nimble, as I started to conceive it, I started to have conversations with other thought leaders in social sales and marketing and got their sort of input. And, and Nimble became their baby and they became users and evangelists of it. And actually, that's how we built the Nimble brand was by identifying the influencer of our core constituency in and around the areas of promise of our products and services. So thought leaders in social sales and marketing, I started to use, share their content and hashtag it appropriately, pound sales, pound marketing, pound social, attributing their name. And then that basically built relationships with people looking to be better, smarter, faster at our areas of promise, social sales and marketing. It built relationships with that influencer's audience, but more importantly, with the influencer who we then had a conversation with, and then they became a user and a storyteller for us. So if you think about it, we started Goldmine by partnering with the influencer of our prospect, the Novell reseller. With Nimble, we did it with the influencer of our prospect, but at this time, they were thought leaders and influencers and so social sales and marketing because there really weren't any cloud resellers per se at that time. Most Microsoft resellers were still selling on-prem. 
And so I needed to find a different way to market. And I love it. So, so much practicality, which is something that I'm really, really big on. Uh, shifting gears a little bit here, John, let's talk a little bit more tactical stuff on the networking side itself. And this is the, the conversation that I love having here on the show. And this is the question that I use to get this conversation headed in the right direction. It's the staple one, the one that I ask every guest that comes on the show. So who you know or what you know, John, which one is more important and why? Well, I think if you don't know any what, it doesn't matter who, because you have to have some what in you for the who's to matter. Like if I knew the CEO of Salesforce, right? And I wanted to get a leadership position at Salesforce. If I didn't have the capabilities, even if he was a friend, he could make that happen. And so I think that there has to be some there there to make the relationships pay off. And so I think that, is it 50-50? Is it 60-40? I think it depends on the situation of the person. But I'd have to say it's a blend. It's not, relationships can only open the door, but you need to go in the door and make it happen. Yeah, so tell me about a time in your career, a specific moment when a connection to somebody in your life led to maybe a big opportunity or moment of success for you. Sure. So when I started Nimble, I wanted to incorporate all the APIs for social in order to make it a really powerful social CRM. And there was a company called LinkedIn that had a lot of data, but they didn't have an API that enabled you to actually access the data, to do an email lookup and enrich a contact, to be able to synchronize contacts and messages, conversations, and the notifications. And all of those were private APIs. And so what I did was I reached out to the head of BizDev at LinkedIn and started a relationship that led to face-to-face -face meetings with the head of product, with the CEO, Jeff Wiener, and ultimately they gave me the keys to the city. And that's what we really were able to pioneer social selling and social CRM with Nimble with was because of that access. So that's one example. Yeah, I love that. What's been the most effective way for you to be able to connect with the people that you wanted to connect with the most? Like some of the movers and shakers in your industry that, that opened up big doors. What, what's been the most effective way to connect with those people? Humanness. I think that people buy from people they like, know, and trust. And you need to connect it, create a human connection. In the old days, I taught people, when you go in somebody's office, look at their walls, look at the books they read, the degree of the school they went to, the knickknacks they collect. All these things will give you a clue into what commonalities you might share. And I believe it's the commonalities in life that build intimacy and trust. So you don't start a, a conversation when you first get on the phone with somebody you're doing business with. Did you sign the contract? You say... How's the weather in Vegas today? Have you seen the new Cirque du Soleil show? Or how about them? Uh, wait, you guys getting the Raiders? How about them Raiders? Or oh, whatever, right? So I think that the human aspect of things is what really deepens a relationship and keeps it going. And I'll give you an example. So I sent you a LinkedIn invite, and you'll probably accept it. But we're probably not going to interact with each other on LinkedIn as much as we might on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter because LinkedIn is like my lobby. It's like my business persona. But if you want to connect to who I really am, you have to sort of understand my personal side. And in the old days, we used to bring somebody home for dinner or to a ball game or whatever. And I think social is a digital way that you can do that. So I stay connected with people through those softer sides. And that's how people connect with me. And we build a bond on the commonalities on what I call the five Fs of life, family, friend, food, fun, and fellowship. And these are the things that help you stay connected. And that gets back to the fact that I think it's not B2B or B2C. It's P2P in eight states. It's people to people and human to human. People buy from people. So I think that being skilled at building good relationships is critical to your success because I think that your network is your net worth. Your personal brand and your professional network will help you achieve your dreams in life. But the best way to do that is to nurture that network by paying people forward on a constant basis. I think that people too many times get on the phone and just talk about themselves. I'm sure that's happened to you when people reach out to connect and then they spend the first 30 minutes talking about themselves. But the best thing you could do in any relationship is shut up and ask a couple of questions and then just listen. If you let somebody talk, They'll fall in love with you. At the very least, they'll tell you what you need to know in order to find ways to add value to them, which is what your job is. 
So somebody out there listening to this right now, that's just going, yeah, John, I totally agree with you. I get it. I, I know that that's important. What would be your best advice for that person that's looking to level up their network in the next, let's say 12 months? What, what would be your best advice for them starting out? Well, I think you need to figure out who you want to network with. So one of the things I'm planning on doing with Nimble is have it analyze the people that you've connected with and give them a relationship score and then go and give you the segmentation demographics of the key people you should connect to, then find more people in your network that look like them or net new people that aren't in your network to connect with. But you could do all that yourself, right? You basically go and figure out, heck, there's a gold mine in your accounting system. You've already sold to people. These people sell to people you've already sold to and certainly get referrals from them. But you could also use that to build demographics of people that you should be reaching out to net new. And so you need to figure out who is your target audience. And it may not be just prospects and customers. It might be their influencers as well. So if I'm trying to sell a small businesses, I might connect to a small businesses accountant or technology advisor or a lawyer or business consultant. And then when you figure out who you want to connect to, don't send cold blank uh, LinkedIn invites and expect anything. What you want to do is walk in somebody's digital footprint for a while and add value to them, make comments on their stuff, share their stuff. And ultimately, they may pick up the phone and call you. And I think that's the new cold call is getting somebody else to call you. And you could do it easily by establishing yourself as a trusted advisor in the cycle of your prospects, customers, and their influencers. So how do you do that? What you do is you build a good identity and you share content that's inspirational and educational in and around the areas of promise your product and services. And then you listen and engage in a relevant, authentic way with the intention to serve those other people that you connect to, and you turn those connections into conversations and relationships into mutually measurable, bi-directional, beneficial outcomes. And so the key thing about building your network is you've got to figure out who you want to connect to and then connect in a relevant, authentic, one-to-one -one way with the intention to serve that other human being. And if you do that, you could build a gold mine because I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, the more people you help achieve what they want, the more you'll get of what you want. So that's a secret to network success is by identifying the right people and building trusted relationships by paying those people forward. Yeah, if you're listening to this right now, go rewind the last two or three minutes and re-listen to what John just said, because that is literally everything that we talk about here on the show is getting your ideal customers to call you instead of being the one to force everything down their throat all the time, being the one that they are attracted to doing business with through the credibility that you've built by being a trusted advisor, through the content that you're creating, by listening to what their problems are and engaging with them and building real relationships. There's so much gold here, John, and, and I wish we could keep going for a long time, but we are coming down here to the end. So let's go ahead and move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions and some quick random answers. You ready? Yeah. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? So, you know, I, I think I have a bit of teaching preacher in me, Travis. I love to love to inspire and educate other people. And so I don't know if that means a professor or mentor, but I once was leaving my doctor's office. And I ran into Mick Jagger as I walked out of my the little booth that they have you. And you know, the doctors put you in all those little rooms and then they shift between them. So I was walking out of my thing and I bumped into Mick Jagger and I looked at him. And I said, shit, you're old and short and wrinkled. But I didn't say that. I thought it, right? <laughs> yeah. Because you think of Mick Jagger as this young guy on stage that's bigger than life. And then at the same time, I said to myself, well, why does this guy get on stage 50 to 100 times a year and do this? He doesn't need the money. He loves the dance. And so he loves to get out in front of 50,000 people and just power them, right? And I believe that when you are truly present with another human being and you are paying them forward somehow, even if it's just your presence, that a connection occurs, a vibration occurs. And I think that's all we leave this planet with is the moment that we're truly present with the universe, which could be other people or parts of the planet. And that's all we leave is the ripples of those moments. And that's why I think that you need to spend every time as you, that you can to be mindful and present with other people. And so if I was going to do a job, it would involve people 
and it would involve helping them grow. And I'm just not sure exactly how that is, but Wiley is contacting me to write a book, and I think I have a book in me, and, uh, and I might go on the road and uh, teach and preach at scale. Awesome. That would be so cool. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat with them for an hour, who would it be and why? Wow. Siddhartha. <laughs> so there's this prince in India that basically gave up all his richly goods to find the meaning of life. And he, he journeyed for years until he sat under a, a bodhisattva tree and enlightenment came to him. And, and his enlightenment was that most of our pain in life comes from grasping at things we don't have and inverting pain we don't want to feel. And basically, basically said is living in the past and room and fear in the future. So I think that if we, that there's a lot of learning to be taught from the prophets. And so if, if I could, if I could spend a moment with Jesus or Siddhartha or with um, any of the prophets, because if you think about it, I don't believe there is one true God, like a God, like my God is right God and your God is the bad God. I think that all prophets come from the universal source of energy and that some people are on this planet with a little bit more of that star stuff in them than others. And when they share their words, people follow them and they write books about them. And those books become religions, which is used for money and power, which divert away from the truth that was told. And so I believe that we have prophets probably today on this earth that are, that are teaching and preaching. We just don't know about them. But prophets like Jesus and Buddha, right, who used to be called Siddhartha, just to be able to listen to their words directly rather than reading them out of the Gospels would be so fantastic. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? You know, Travis, I used to be an avid reader. I would bring the encyclopedia to bed with me or to the bathroom and just consume it. And I would always have a book in my hand because if I wasn't doing something, I was consuming knowledge. I had a library that was a half a block away from me, and I, I used to live there as my sanctuary. But it's the advent of the PC and the smartphones, I do less reading. And so I'm a big, I, I like audio, but I also like video as well. But video is harder because you have to be sitting there. And I think sitting is the new smoking. So I, I listen to a lot of audio on my walks. What would be your top audiobook recommendation or regular book recommendation? Well, most of the people I know who have retired read the book Think and Grow Rich. I know it's tried and true and maybe for some people old-fashioned, but it, it really has a simple philosophy in it that if you can figure out where your passion is, build a plan to achieve it, make it your purpose on a daily basis, that you could do anything that you want in life. And I, I believe in that recipe of success. It's been my recipe for building two global entrepreneur companies. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So I get up in the morning and I wash my face because I usually have crust in my eyes. And then I go and make some, some coffee. And I've inserted in between that cycle a little bit of meditation time because I do believe that mindfulness and meditation helps us to be more centered. With my coffee, I'll usually do some reading, and that's where I curate content to inspire and educate other people throughout the day, and that's usually from people that I respect. One of the things that you said, if you want to build your brand and network, you need to generate content, but I don't think everybody's a writer, so you need to find other people's content that you can share, and you can actually build your brand through other people's content. And so I'll consume content, share that content. By that time, my kids are up. I'll uh, help them with breakfast, get them out the door, spend a little bit of quality time with my wife, and go to work. What is your go-to pump-up song? <laughs> so my go-to pump-up song happens to be a Paul Simon song, Diamonds on the Soul's First Shoes. And I like that song because it's soulful and it's full of promise. And I believe that if you can maintain positivity and uh, soulfulness and dance your way through life, that it's a lot more fun and you'll be a lot more successful. What is something that you are just not very good at? <laughs> I've never been as artistic as I am analytical. So I got straight A's in Calc 1, 2, and 3, differential equation, linear algebra, and numerical analysis, and computer science. 
and I, I struggled with writing in English as well as with art. And so to explore my artistic side, when I sold my first company, I went and got a degree in photography. And I ended up being a school photographer for SC during the Carson Palmer to Sanchez era, so the Pete Carroll era. And uh, I was able to explore my artistic side. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Great answer. And as we get everything wrapped up here, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? So I think that the best place to see my heart and soul is Instagram because I share daily pictures of my five F's of life, family, friend, food, fun, and fellowship. And if you want to know who John Ferrar is, go there that you'll see the most of me. Also on Facebook is a place where you can see the real me. On Twitter, you'll get some of that, but you also get some of my stream about inspiration, education, in and around how you can become better, smarter, faster in social sales and marketing. And the same with LinkedIn. So there's more business stuff there. And so if you want to know the real me, baby, (laughs) baby, (laughs) then uh, check me out on Instagram. Perfect. What's the Instagram handle? Let's see. I think it's John Ferrara. Cool. Perfect. So if you want to get to know the real John Ferreira, then head over to Instagram at John Ferreira. That's F-E-R-R-A-R-A and head over there, check out some of the stuff that he's posting. And then make sure if you're on LinkedIn or Twitter, definitely check out his business stuff because that is second to none. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. So much amazing content. I really appreciate your time. You bet, Travis. And and I want to share with you that if anything I, I shared resonates with you, please watch some of my videos where I teach and preach how to build your network and your brand because I do that on a daily basis. And if you decide that you want to try Nimble, it's free for two weeks, no credit card required. And if you dig it for yourself, I'm going to give you the first three months, uh, 40% off. Use the code John JON40 to save some money on Nimble. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. So John 40, a checkout to save some money, trying out this new CRM or the CRM uh, platform that John has put together. John, seriously, man, there's so, so much great stuff. And thank you for the amazing offer. I look forward to uh, chatting with you in person someday. You bet, Travis. And I'd love to personally gift you Nimble for yourself. So if you're not already using it, please sign up and we'll definitely uh, hook you up. Amazing. Thank you so much. You bet. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about how we've been able to get some of the guests to come on the show, I've created a totally free resource called Meet Your Hero. So if you'd like to connect with people you respect and admire that are difficult to reach, you're going to want to go to travischapelcom slash hero to take action and start that training today. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.